to the Boxing Rad Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 274 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Quarantine be damned. We <laughs> we defy uh, federal laws to get this show done in fucking studio. What is there, maybe three foot of separation here? Not six feet. We're just gigantic human beings. <laughs> You're yeah. probably right about that. <laughs> yeah, It's six foot from my far shoulder to your far shoulder. It's good enough. Exactly. But the tips of our penises are intertwined. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a lightsaber war going on under the table here. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Vin, welcome back. Yeah, good to be here, brother. Um, are we really breaking the law? I don't know. Is there a law? I, I, I don't know. I will tell you this. It's a it's a suggestion, Ken. Oh, okay. A very strong suggestion, <laughs> right? Um, I called my mom this morning to wish her a happy Mother's Day, uh-huh. and she's driving to Florida to see my sister who's about to give birth to her fourth child, and um, she got stopped at the Florida border by, by state troopers asking her, like, like, where are your papers? Where are you going? Like, where'd you come from? Well, they opened their state, right? I didn't think Florida gave a shit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's where the UFC was last night. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, um, strange times, strange times. But uh, yeah, we're back in studio. We just figured that um, you know this would work out a lot better for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Just add uh, levels of amazingness, especially to the video. <laughs> Actually, more than anything, it's uh, going to cut back on the editing time, so perhaps I can get the video out to the world tonight. You don't, you don't like it taking three hours for the video to get sent to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think we'd be better off. It's actually probably a much shorter distance if we had if you put it on a USB thumb drive and had a carrier pigeon fly it up here and drop <laughs> sure, it off. Probably fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well it's episode two hundred and seventy four of the boxing rant podcast. Um as we are inching closer to the starting line or the restarting line of boxing, I think more and more stories are coming through. Um, we were going to do uh, you know, questions for the fans, but all of your submissions this week sucked a big fat dick, so there will yeah. be no question answering. You need to up your game. Stop asking us about whiskey dick. Um, stop asking us if we have any more shitting our pants stories. I'm not going to tell you about the throat, okay? No. Throat, the throat's dead and gone. <laughs> yeah, the throat is dead and gone. Um, I'll let you guys imagine whatever you think the throat is and was and what she stood for. <laughs> okay. I, I guarantee you they're wrong. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Keep them guessing. Hey, you know what? When fights do start back up and they have audiences live again, if you run into me in person at a fight, I will tell you the story about the there throat. There you go. There you go. Over a brewski, okay? There you go. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, CastBox, Podcast Addict, Anywhere you get an audio podcast, check out the video version on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. I know a lot of our audience, a majority of our audience, listens to the audio podcast. But kick back since you're quarantined and check out the video on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. You can check out my fresh haircut. Uh, barbershops have been closed for a long time. <laughs> get you some sexy into your life and just get to the YouTube channel. <clears throat> you know, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Simple as that. Yeah, simple as that. Um, but we appreciate all of you tuning in every week during all of this, and uh, we'll keep bringing you shows. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings eighty one and at Kenny Keith Jr. And you can follow us on all social media: Instagram, Facebook, and of course Twitter at the Boxing Rant. Drop by the website boxingpod.com. 
And um, come on, get creative with your questions. All right, we don't do mythical matchups. Um, whiskey dick. I don't think there is a such thing as a good whiskey dick story. Yeah, I was trying. Like, I really want to answer that question for my boy Sancho. All I can say is, uh, you know, it's happened. <laughs> what do you do? You just, you know, you just lower your head and push through, right? <laughs> exactly. Just close your eyes and pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> but I can't. It'll feel- be different next time. I promise. <laughs> but I can't feel my face. <laughs> oh shit! I love it. I love it. All right, so let's um, you know, let's kick the show off in episode two seventy four, and let's discuss the status of the return of boxing. Uh, we finally got some optimistic um, words from the head of Top Rank, Bob Arum, saying that boxing, as far as ESPN and Top Rank are concerned, will be returning in June. That sounds sounds good to me. Yeah, but you know what? If if it's you know, I like I don't know what you thought about watch. I know you said you watched some of the preliminary UFC shit last night. What, what, with no audience, man, I don't know it. It felt like watching sparring sessions. It really fucking did. It just does not have that same feel. And I know they got to get back to it. And I want to see fights. So if that's what we got to get to see some fights. Sure, but if that's like the long term, like we're gonna like the rest of 2020 is gonna be nothing but studio fights with uh, fake audiences, maybe or 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 pumped in noise. I, I'm I can deal with it for a little bit, but long term, man. I, if that's if that's how sports is gonna be, I it's just not the same, man. So when when I turned the preliminaries on, the thing that caught my attention it was it was in the middle of a round was how the camera angles were different. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they were really focused down um, in on the fighters. Like yep. they had some new angles, which I liked. I liked that overhead angle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if, if they're going to lay there and like spoon and hump each other on the ground for <laughs> two, three minute stints. May- <laughs> I love how MMA fans get up. They get so aggravated when you say like, okay, we get it. It's not that it's not spooning. It's not fucking, it's not uh gay, but it kind of looks like it. Yeah. I mean, uh, they definitely look like they're snuggling. Yes. You know what I mean? There's some D-on-D action there. There's some D-on-D action, for <laughs> sure. Um, you know, look, what was kind of funny to me was the first thing that I thought, like, once the round was over or once the fight was over, and they went to, like, the normal shot where you would typically see the crowd. Right. The thing that, like, kind of, I just started chuckling in my in my head to myself. I was like, this looks like every PBC card from the first three years they were in action. When well, you had that one guy be like, you guys, over here, this row, turn, turn, it, turn that light off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where everything's blacked out. I'll never forget it was the, I think it was the Robert Guerrero fight that was at like noon on a Saturday. Oh, at the StubHub Center. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, clearly, the camera would move and you'd see this guy come walking down the aisle and usher in like eight people into a row. It's like, what the fuck is going on here, man? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, from that angle, though, it didn't bother me that much. Like, having everything blacked out like that and being able to focus in on the fighters, I thought, you know, I, I was fine with that. It, it had a decent look. I like how they had some ambient lighting going on in the background of the arena. You are a man of ambiance. I am. I am. Um, <laughs> I love ambiance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, that's what really is the basis of my throb meter. You know, I know you're throbbing. It takes a little ambiance to get you going. (laughs) Got to set the mood. (laughs) Little nag champa and a blunt. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Apparently the bone saw needs (laughs) ambiance. 
<laughs> Who'd have fucking thought? <laughs> Boom song, brother. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I, you know, the thing that kind of, like, it was a headline on, on ESPN's app this morning about, it literally, it said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, the thing that stood out the most at the UFC was you could hear everything, literally everything. I mean, I guess. I mean, honestly, what would have been funny is while the fight's going on, if there'd have been like just two guys that were like hanging out with their masks on, like telling fucking like dirty jokes or something. <laughs> hey, we're 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 looking for work. Yeah, like man, I was banging my wife last night. <laughs> she fucking farted right on me. <laughs> Right, if you like heard that going on, he didn't realize he's not even on a hot mic, but the mic's picking up everything. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, but um, I, look, I totally agree with you, though. It did kind of come off like it was a sparring session. It just doesn't feel like it means as much without people there. Like, it- well, let me ask you this: so in the prelims, like some of those fighters, I'm like, I I don't really watch UFC that. That Cerrone Pettis fight was pretty good, right? But the fight, the fights before that, I was like, I don't. Even- I don't, right. I don't even know what this is. Is this like the the ultimate fighter? Like where like who are these guys? Why are they wearing them like those really obnoxiously like silly like soft ass shorts? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> I, 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 but but then I didn't stay up to watch the actual pay per view part of it. So when there was like big name fighters in the ring, it still had like a watered down kind of feel oh, to it. Absolutely, it, it didn't matter if they were hacks or if they were the real deal. I mean, look, the one thing that I did. The one thing I liked about it was you could hear everything, and by everything, what I'm hearing is the contact being made and what it sounds like when a leg hits another, uh, you know, a shin connects with a shin. Or yeah. It, that stuff is kind of like, oh, God damn, that's brutal. But other than that, like, you're hearing f- the feet hitting the ring and just every shuffle, and I, I don't know, man. I, I just – it. When you're gonna like you're having malt, you're having a main event fight, especially in boxing, like and it's like a big pay per view, like a like a Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight. That fight just it's not going to happen with no crowd, and maybe money wise, but also because it just is not going to feel like a big fight. Like Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje last night. That's that's a one of the better fights the UFC can make. I, you know, it's, with nobody there, it feels like a practice fight. Like, the, yeah, like the, it's like the uh, the WWE rehearsing the night before the real show. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't do it, man. I, I And if, like I said, if that's long term, I'm not interested, man. I, I will lose interest in big fights if that if that's where we're at, you know, coming into the spring of 2021. We're still doing shit like that. Well, and I think that that's the the optimism from everybody is that. This is not going to be long term. Right. You know what I mean? And the immediacy of things. I'll be honest with you, man. Like you had a lot of people out there in the that that cover boxing that felt, I guess, this need to act like they were kind of sort of covering what was happening last night, like during the UFC thing. Yeah. Like my wife was like I, I had the prelims on. She's like, Hey, you want to watch Stranger Things? I was like, Yeah, sure. Like, you know, right. and we just put it on. Like, I didn't, I still, that, like, that live event got as much interest as any other UFC pay-per-view or event that's on TV. Unless, yeah. unless it's Conor McGregor or, like, there's somebody's having a party. Right. You know, for a UFC. I think. I'm not watching it anyways. Yeah, and I, look, I think everybody has kind of overestimated, like, 
We need sports of any kind. Just whatever sport gets on TV, people are going to eat up. No, if they don't like it, it's not like they're that they're I need live act. No, it's people aren't that desperate for live sports that they don't normally fucking watch. Like Korean baseball's been on ESPN. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, don't even get me started on that. I mean, who cares? Who wants to watch like I don't know any of these guys. It's nowhere near the level of Major League Baseball. Why would I want to watch that? It's like watching women's boxing. Exactly. Good 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 comparison. I it's like I if I didn't watch it before, I'm not going to watch it now just because it's there. Yeah. There's like I, and I think most people have now figured this out without sports like they've found other things to watch. So if it's not what they really want, they're not going to tune in. It's just how it is, man. People aren't that fucking desperate. I think they overestimate that big time. Well, and I think the people that are acting like they are desperate really need some more substance in their lives. Get a hobby, man. Yeah, get a fucking life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and we, you know, we know a lot of our friends that I, all they do is watch sports. But I, I you know, well, they're I, fucking losers. And I don't. And they're I, friends with us. <laughs> I don't hear them, like, anybody clamoring for anything. Yeah, they want sports back, but they're not just going to watch whatever just because it's sports. Uh, it's just, it's not going to happen. Like, everybody, like, this is this this UFC card is stacked, and they're going to do huge numbers. I don't think so. I don't think that many people bought that pay-per-view. Do you? Um, during a, a massive recession, uh $70 pay-per-view. Yeah. I think a lot of people bootlegged it, bootlegged the stream. Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, dude, that's not something that people like have in their budgets right now. You no. know what I mean? No. And if you know, like, most people that watch combat sports, like, they're not exactly, like... Wouldn't the smart thing to do have been just put it on regular ESPN? There probably would have been five six million people watching it had you done that well then if you buy the pay-per-view for 70 dollars for just 15 dollars more you can get a year subscription to espn plus what a deal <laughs> it's like give me a fuck the bundle huh yeah. they get you get you with the bundle package no <laughs> no thanks that's the grundle where i come from <laughs> the, the espn <laughs> grundle Hit you right in the grundle with the bundle. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, man. I just, uh, it's not that like it, that sports isn't that important to me. It's just, it's like you were talking about with the Korean baseball. Like, I, I want people to really understand this. I played competitive baseball at a pretty high level. All right, I played some college ball, and you know, I, look, watching that that KBO for about ten minutes, it's very, very clear. Okay, it is literally the same level of baseball as high school all-star baseball. So during the summers here in the United States for all of our overseas fans that have no idea what I'm talking about, there is a baseball league that is sponsored by the American Legion, all right, one of the veterans associations uh, uh, here in the United States. And basically what it is is that there's a Legion post, uh, however far, you know, wh wherever it is that will draw from three or four high schools, the best players from those three or four high schools, some of which, you know, probably 25% of each roster is going on to play college baseball. Right. Um, and that's the level of the KBO. I mean, you got – dude, I, I faced in an, an American Legion game, I faced a, a kid from Severna Park Legion. Well, I, I played against Mark Teixeira, right? Right. Who now is an ESPN analyst that had a 15-year Major League Baseball career. Um, but a guy that was on Mark Teixeira's team, dude, he was throwing 96 against us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody – in. if you're pitching 96 in the KBO, guess what? <laughs> 
You ain't in the KBO. You ain't in ex- exactly. So like giving me a lower level version of what I want to watch. Like I I don't need to watch baseball, right? No. I don't go to local little league games because I got to watch baseball. No, you know what I'm saying. Like I want to watch Mike Trout. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You want to see the stars. You want to see the best of the best. You want to see. Uh, competition that you actually give a shit about. Exactly. I want to see Scherzer. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, You know, Clayton Kershaw. I don't want to watch fucking, you know, cream of some young guy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Throw a 78-mile-an-hour fastball that at my advanced age I could still fucking uh, have warning track power with. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know you could speak Cantonese so well, Ken. (laughs) Zang. Oh, man. Um, hey, it's a very sensitive time right now. We can't be talking like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. This Chinese virus going around. I apologize. You know? It's China. No, it's Wuhan. Wuhan. Chinese virus. China. China virus? China. China virus. Yeah. You can't say that, though. Well, I'm not. I'm just saying China. <laughs> like plates or? No. <laughs> Viruses. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Now that we got that clear, yeah. I, I, I can't believe people say that. I, I, I don't. I, I wish they wouldn't. You know, it's very rude. It is rude. Um, it's it's very rude. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just like sports in general. Like I, that's the my hesitation. If they can figure out a way, like like like, let's just say the UFC's numbers come back from the pay per view and it like perks some ears up, right? right? It like perks Bob's ears up. Like, hold on a second. Well, maybe we can make a Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter. Uh, pay-per-view or you know what i'm saying right or a fight of that level like maybe that's possible because we can foot foot the salaries based off of just the pay-per-view revenue alone right then you have my interest and i'll watch that kind of level of production but i'm not i, I i'm not gonna watch um you know all of their prospect level up-and-coming fighters or watching like their sort of guys i not even like the Shakur Stevenson, like like Mick Conlon versus a, the total no name, right? As your main event, yeah, that's not like if that's going to be what we get, it's not going to do well. It's no, just not. no, because nobody wants to watch that as like is going to tune into that for a main attraction, anyways. No. Nope. You know, um, I, I I agree with you. Uh, you know, I know we're beating this dead horse, but um, sports for the sake of sports, uh, I'd rather I got plenty of shows on Netflix I need to catch up on. I got plenty of things to do around the house, and I got two kids that you know can always use more attention. Exactly. Yeah, I just I'm 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 not that interested in it, man. It's got to fucking like feel at least feel like it means something. Okay, so as things are are unrolling, um, you know the yeah, I would say the beacon, uh, the example, the guiding light. Um, you know, they say that, uh, you know, like sort of like how Jesus is the shepherd and we are the flock, right? Yes. Um, Mauricio Suleiman is that to boxing fans. Is he? He is. Um, he will take you by the hand and guide you to greener pastures. Mm. Uh, and being the authority, and, the, and you know what, on top of it, I, I would say more than just the authority, but the moral authority of us all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether it's drug testing, whether it's um, a belt for every occasion. Franchise belts. Coronavirus belts. Yeah, man. All uh, of it. Uh, yeah, setting examples, fracturing, the, you know, making fights happen. If it wasn't for the... Um, they get the mandates, man. They're just, they love to mandate stuff. And when we get mandates, yeah. things happen. They do. Um, the throb meter, I mean, it, it goes through the roof. It hits the bell on the way up, right? And it just goes right through it. And the next thing I know, it's like 
it's growing like a beanstalk and it goes into the clouds. I'm like, thank you, WBC and Mauricio Suleiman. Man, I mean, the, the moral tingling yeah. in the tip of my penis is outrageous. Tick, moral tingling. <laughs> so, um, you know, because he is such a, a, a great man and the steward of boxing himself, he's outlined protocol um, for all of boxing. <laughs> Okay. To be able to come back. Um, because, you know, honestly, like, 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 you know, let's just talk about like a medical condition. Right. Like these bumps on my dick, right? <laughs> um, like when I need help with something sure like that. fucking wife say about Hold that. on a second. <laughs> so. <laughs> when, Is that when, hair bumps? What are those? <laughs> well, I don't know yet. I need to call Mauricio. <laughs> um, okay. Bad example. Uh, let's just say my hair loss, okay? Uh-huh. If I have a hair loss problem, I, I call to Mexico. And not only do I call to Mexico uh-huh. as, as the authority on this, but I call Mauricio Solomon because he knows the conditions of what I'm dealing with right yeah. here, yeah, uh, right outside of the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Like, if I need something, I just call him. And what better person to lay out the guidelines for boxing in the United States than a Mexican boxing authority? <laughs> What do you think about that? I, ask Lou DiBello what he thinks about that. Because <laughs> Lou said, and I'll say it for Lou too, I don't give a fuck what Mauricio Suleiman says. Honestly. Should anybody care what he says about anything about the sport coming back? He has literally no say. You control a belt, a sanctioning body. You make money off the sport. You kind of uh, leech off of fighters. And you pick and choose which ones you want to leech off of more than others. Uh, why would I ever, ever, ever... Look to that organization that can't get out of their own fucking way for any kind of guidance in how this is going to work moving forward. Honestly, why would you do that? I don't know. I mean, I can you do anything without them? <laughs> oh, you could do a lot without them. How do you even hit the toilet bowl in the morning without them? Without putting your green belt on first? <laughs> <laughs> green belt drops that morning wood so you can hit the toilet? So you're not spraying walls? <laughs> Wear like a little miniature green belt. <laughs> Every time I come around your city, bling, bling. <laughs> oh, man, I know this is really obnoxious, but that is, it's the level of just, I get it, man. He, he's trying, I'm assuming it's coming from a good spot. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? But don't think for a second that he ain't going to charge somebody for this plan. <laughs> you know, there's a sanctioning fee to implement this plan. Exactly. It's just like those diet plans that like pop up on your phone when you're on like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and you're like, "Oh shit, this is awesome, man! I can get fucking like a diet plan. They're gonna help me lose weight." And you click on it, and it says, "Enter your email address." You enter your email address, and it's like, "Okay, let me ask you a bunch of questions. What's your phone number? What's your credit card number?" Hold on a second. I just wanted to lose weight. Right. Next thing you know, your inbox has eighty emails in it. Yes, uh, that's it's with that and and ever try to refinance your house. You, you'll you'll set you'll hit send. On the email, and literally ten seconds later, your fucking phone rings. Oh, same thing. Like, like if you uh, if you Google like Obamacare, yeah, like all these like sites that look like you know what I'm saying. Right. Like, it'll be like government.com instead of like healthcare.gov. Right. Look for the .gov, folks. Yeah. You'll don't be, don't get got. You will have many bumps. Um. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I just to me it comes off as just. It's just delusional, man. It's just like, just shut up. You know what I mean? We'll let you know when we're putting a fucking event on so you can dig in our pockets and take our money. Exactly. Come on, man. Nobody nobody cares. You are the uh, you are not speaking for anyone. 
Um, and uh, but it looks like we have a fight card that's going to take place in Mexico in June um, with three current world champions. Uh, WBC junior lightweight champion Miguel Burchelt, WBO junior featherweight champion Emmanuel Navarrete, and WBO junior flyweight champion Elwin Soto are going to be fighting on a Zanford Promotions card in Mexico. Let's say you. Uh, who's the opponents on these for these fights? Uh, uh, TBA. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not, look. I want boxing backs as ne- as much as the next man, but I'm sorry. Just putting Burchelt and, and and those names on that card is not going to make me be like, well, I'm tuning in no matter what. If it's not a good fight, I'm not going to be that fu- like, okay, yeah, I'll probably put it on, but it's not something that's going to drum up any interest outside of the mega nerd of boxing. Yeah. No, nobody else is going to tune in. I'm much more interested – um, in watching the Last Dance documentary on ESPN than I am watching a Miguel Burchelt versus Nobody fight. Yeah, I th- and that goes for uh, probably almost every boxing fan, honestly. Yeah. No, um, uh, it's they're in a rush to get back. And, and you know what? I hope it doesn't hurt the long term, the next two, three years of boxing by doing this and nobody making any. It's not that, like, I right. know they're all greedy bastards, but if they're not making any money, then there's not going to be any money for the fights we want to see. Right. No, yeah, it could def- it could do damage to to the future of the sport, for sure. Um, Well, at least the electrical bill will be uh, lower because <laughs> they don't have to turn the lights on. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right. Um, so uh, the return of boxing, it looks like it's closer than ever. Yeah. But guess what, folks? The boxing rant never went anywhere. No, it didn't. We stopped talking boxing for a little bit, but we were here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you should take your guidelines on how to restart this fucker from us. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't go, <laughs> we didn't go take a nap. You know what I'm saying? Like, we weren't like, like Mauricio Suleiman. You know what I'm saying? Going and spending all that franchise belt money on this and that. You know? He's probably, does he got a custom mask of his favorite fighter that he's been jogging, jogging with lately? Oh, yeah. That's what sure. he loves to do. Yeah. He's got like a green belt, like encrusted Lucha Libre. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, Ray Mysterio mask that he runs in. Psychosis mask. Psychosis. Oh, was, was psychosis Japanese or was he Mexican? I don't know. They all look the same, Ken. It's the China virus. Yes. China. COVID-19. That's the political. Well, we can go with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the, that's the best way if to say it. you want to be politically correct, it's China. Well, we have to be. Yeah. Because if we're not politically correct, we're going to get censored by YouTube. And then we'll probably get taken off the internet, because that's the new thing to do. Yeah. Just shut them up. Yeah, just shut them up, fucking idiots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Meanwhile, Mauricio Solomon out here making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, all right, so we had kind of a half-ass announcement. Yeah. Um, a fight that we pretty much knew was going to happen before. Um, the COVID nineteen. Yeah, is that the, the we're way gonna that, go with that? Yeah. We're gonna we'll go stick with that. that. Stick with that. Before that happened, um, Javante Davis versus Leo Santa Cruz. Um, the public has been reassured. They're like, remember that fight we were talking about, like making, like we were pretty close to making. Well, we just want to reassure everybody out there that we're still thinking about remaking it. <laughs> 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 I love your exact right. Is it made or what? What's going on here? Can get, but I'll tell you what: the best part about this fucking fight was finding out that it's going to be at one thirty and not one thirty-five. And why? And why do you say that? Well, Leo Santa Cruz coming up to one thirty-five from one twenty-six to me, I didn't think it was as bad as most people thought it was going to be. But 
like it's giving Gravante Davis the the size advantage. Like he's he's for a, a fighter as young as Davis to be able to get advantages like that against a guy who's been an established champion for a long time, longer than Davis has even been a professional boxer. I, you know, I just it it was a bad look to me. It, to me, it looked like. And I know Leo Santa Cruz has kind of been the the favorite son of Al Heyman, so God forbid he have to like fall on a, uh, you know, take the bullet one time. Yeah, but it just didn't make much sense. And to me, the biggest thing was if if Davis is already going to be at one thirty five, where is his, is he going to be there for the next five or six years? Because I kind of saw that as like that's where he tops out at right. one thirty five. Right. Um, can he make one thirty? Is the fucking like that? That is the question. We've seen what's happened the last two times he's tried to make it. You know, last fight it took uh, an extra hour for him to shed whatever weight he had to shed. I, You know, it's a better fight at 130 all around, I think. But also, you know, people questioned it at 135, and I said to myself, well, Leo Santa Cruz is skinny, but it's not that he doesn't have the frame to carry the extra weight. And I've never seen Leo Santa Cruz hurt. So I can't imagine him being hurt at 135 either, even if it's Tank Davis. And and everybody just assumes that Tank Davis is carrying this power that he had at these lower weights up with him. I th- Didn't we just see it in the Gamboa fight? Like, okay, he got the late stoppage, like at the very end of the fucking fight. But he didn't really hurt Gamboa very often, if at all, in that fight. A shot fighter with a torn Achilles. Yeah, you would think he would have been able to take him out. And if he has this this vaunted punching power that everybody says he has, you know, uh, to me, when I hear this fight announced, I know Davis is probably going to be a three and a half, four to one favorite in this fight. Um, I'm going to be putting some money on Leo Santa Cruz in this fight. And I know people think that's crazy. And I'm a, I'm a tank Davis guy, but you're talking about a guy that throws so many fucking punches and a guy that throws hardly any aesthetically as you when you're watching that fight even if davis is able to land two or three punches that are you know that catch the judge's eye per round leo santa cruz is going to throw 80 punches to his 25 that's going to be hard like it's going to be hard to counteract that if you're if you're tank davis and these judges are watching or scoring this fight how in god's name do you expect to win a fight where you only throw 25 punches against a guy who's throwing an average of 75. That's, to me, that's, that's the biggest problem for him in this fight and the reason why I look at it on paper and go, well, give me Leah Santa Cruz by decision. I'll take that all day. You know, we've seen um, A-side, like, you know, the uh, – I know, you know, Tank's not at the level of, like, a you know, Floyd Mayweather or Canelo or – but we've seen A-side fighters, Andre Ward – um, Canelo Alvarez, mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather, who have thrown far less punches than their opponents, right, and landed the more consequential punch or the one that landed sharper, and have won rounds over that, right. You know what I'm saying? Beca- yep. Because of that, we've also seen fights with Leo Santa Cruz. Um, let's just take the Abner Mares fight for example, right? Like that was there were so many punches thrown at such a frenetic pace. But if you go back and watch that fight. Like, none of them landed. No. It was, like, these guys were just winging punches. And, I mean, I'm like, are you guys trying to hit each other? Like, what's going on here? Right. So, but, you know, we've seen um, we've seen judges mistake activity for achievement. You know, we're, we're, we're told as boxing fans to not mistake activity for achievement. Yeah. So there is a lot of, of, 
of you know blurring the lines with this fight being at 130 pounds. Here's what I think. I don't think Tank's going to make the 130 pounds. He doesn't give a fuck about a belt at 130 pounds. You know why? Because he's not going to he's only going to be there for this fight and that's it. Right. He's going to miss weight. He's going to have to pay money to Leo Santa Cruz for missing weight. That's not going to come out of his pocket. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Nope. So he's he'll come in at 134, 135 pounds, and then on fight night he'll weigh in at 145 pounds, and he's going to catch Leo Cruz late with something, and he's going and that's how he's going to win the fight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Leo Santa Cruz wins fucking uh, eight out of nine rounds against Tank Davis, and then right. gets knocked out in the tenth. Man, I just can't. Like it's hard for me with with Leo Santa Cruz because I've really never seen him hurt, and and okay. You're saying, you know, your response to that could be he's he hasn't fought a fighter that punches like Tank Davis. I like okay. I think Tank Davis has decent power. I think his power is also overrated by some of the people that he's knocked out that were were placing this on him so early of a guy that has this power when it really hasn't been proven against the best of the best. No, he's fought Pedraza and a shot Gamboa, and the rest of his opponents have been garbage. Yeah, so like you haven't really shown me anything as far as your power goes, and we see it consistently across the entire sport in all weight classes. When a guy gets to the elite of the elite, you can forget about those knockouts, man. They're few and far between when you're fighting the best in the world. And to rely on that against a guy like Leo Santa Cruz, to me, is fucking insane i literally have never seen the guy take a step backwards maybe against frampton when he got caught off balance and went back into the ropes but he he either recovered immediately or he slipped i'm gonna go with he slipped a little bit and got caught he was not really seriously hurt so no i'm like i can't in this fight envision anything other than no knockout i could i could see maybe it gets Ugly late, and maybe Tank lands a couple, you know, handful of big shots, and the ref jumps in to stop it. But a knockout stoppage, I, I, I can't see it, man. Tank Davis has got to sh- prove to me that that punching power carries up against the elite level fighters. And you know, sure, maybe, maybe this fight, you know, he there, look. There's no way that I think in this fight he can rely on winning a decision unless, unless you're like we've seen it in Vegas with Floyd Mayweather fights and with Canelo fights. Well, for some reason in Vegas, they seem to score boxing and counterpunching and landing the couple bigger shots above uh, just volume and consistent work. So if that's where the fight is, maybe he can eke a decision out. But it's just to rely to the, 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 the dichotomy of styles and relying on if you're Tank Davis, I'm going to stop this guy is is insane to me. No, he's and that's I think the most overrated part of Germanta Davis, I, and I don't even know if it can be overrated because I don't think he fights like this. Is that he's not a boxer? You know what I'm saying? He's not a guy that's he doesn't have the frame. I mean, he's he's short and stocky. He's right. got short arms and he's short in height. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that's going to stick and move. No. You know what I mean? He's going to wait for his moment and try to hit you with a counter punch. That's how he uses his athleticism and his strength. Yep. I'm kind of with you in the sense that. Even though I think the fight is going to go the way that I said, I am a little reluctant to go ahead and crown Davis's power. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, you know he hasn't really been in with elite fighters, so we don't know. We, we see what happens all the time when when elite fight elite, mm-hmm. right? Like 
power gets kind of like like neutralized a lot of times. Yep. Like they're able to hurt each other for sure. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, I don't know with Tank Man. You know, uh, and he's also the kind of puncher to me with a guy like Leo Santa Cruz who is so frenetic. I don't think it's going to be one punch. You know what I'm saying? It's, no. it's, it's, you're going to have to hurt him, and then you're going to have to finish the guy. Um, but we're also making a huge assumption here. We're assuming that this is going to be a big enough fight for Tank Davis to get up for. Right. And we're also assuming that, yeah, I know they said 130 now, but by the time this fight actually comes around, uh, does Tank say, look, I can't do it, 135 or nothing? Yeah. Uh, oh, I think for sure. But, I don't think there's any way he makes 130. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I would agree with you on the fact that – I really don't think he gives a fuck about making this weight. Like he just cares about winning the fight. So coming in a couple pounds overweight and paying, you know, a uh, five hundred thousand, like two hundred fifty thousand dollar a pound fine is nothing to him. Floyd will coach him, not so much in the training aspect of it. Right, the most important advice in the lead up to this fight that Floyd is going to give Tank Davis before the Leo Santa Cruz fight is how to get every possible advantage that he can. Yeah. And not the art of fighting. And, and that's not sucking down those two pounds that you really shouldn't suck down at the end. Like, no. If that's the case, they're going to say, fuck it. We need to win this fight. Um, let's not compromise our fighter for two fucking pounds. Yeah. We the A-side. Yes, exactly. We the A-side. Um, well, hey, look, man. I, I love the fight. I love it. Right, which I think that's that's the first like fight. Like we've like we've That was almost like a fight preview. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. It'd be nice to have some some real shit to talk about. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, all right, let's talk about um, Andy Ruiz, Andy the Hut. He always oh, back, huh? He is back. So he has finally decided after um, considering options such as Teddy Atlas for a new <laughs> trainer. But just the thought of that, there's no fucking way. Could, in you, hell. See, could you see Andy Ruiz driving one of his hoopties, right? To the East Coast and like rolling up with his fucking cheesy ass gla- sunglasses on, weighing three hundred and twenty five pounds, hopping out of his uh, his G wagon doing a Fashion Nova shoot. <laughs> Teddy Atlas being like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Boom. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. So look, man, Andy Ruiz has decided to keep it on the left coast, um, and he is going to join the um training camp. Of the Renosos, who are have now firmly sort of become uh, this immediate generation's version of Freddie Roach, where Freddie Roach went from having Manny Pacquiao, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, and then becoming the trainer to the stars. Everybody wanted to train right. because of the Manny Pacquiao effect, right? And now the Renosos with Canelo have become a destination. They got themselves a fucking stable now, man. Yeah. Canelo, Oscar Valdez, Louis Neary. Um, Andy Ruiz. Who else they got? Uh, don't they have Julio Cesar Martinez? Julio too? Cesar Martinez. Yeah. That's a hell of a stable. Yes, they got some fighters. I think there's an assumption here that somehow some people are viewing this as that. Oh, he's going to be training with some fellow Mexicans in Southern uh, California, so this is going to be a lot easier for Andy Ruiz. No, um, the Renosos don't take any shit, man. I mean, is there more of a like you have to kind of rise up like? They're not going to be like, okay, Andy, we only expect you to 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 train at this level because you're fat and like right. we don't expect much out you of you. You can have two cheat days a week. Exactly. No, I think I think Canelo is the uh, 
is is the pace car, right? I oh, mean, absolutely. I mean, he, yes. he he sets the pace there. We've all seen the change in Ryan Garcia, and we know why Golden Boy pushed oh, Ryan Garcia pushed him in that direction. Yeah, you know, it, it was it's all about the structure, and it's also all about seeing a guy that doesn't need to fight for another penny for the rest of his life. His bank account is set. His legacy is set to mm-hmm. this point. Honestly, Canelo's sure. So he doesn't need to do anything or prove anything to anybody. But guess who's always in the gym working harder than everybody? At least it seems to me. The guy takes the craft, his craft, fucking serious. So when you're working out with a guy like that, and you're saying, and you're a Ryan Garcia or you're an Andy Ruiz, you're going, man, I'm not shit. Like this guy's got everything that I want to be as a fighter, and he's in here fucking humping. Every day. Why am I not doing this? What? So it, 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 it instills that drive into other fighters in that camp. I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll, time will tell where the Reynosos actually end up, uh, Eddie, more than more than any, any of them. Um, we'll, we'll see because, you know, he's gotten all these fighters and he's got a nice stable going for himself. Ryan Garcia has seemed to improve under his tutelage. Canelo continually gets better. But some of these other fighters that will that he's bringing in we'll start to see really how talented the uh, Eddie Reynoso is as a trainer if he starts uh, you know adding levels to Julio Cesar Martinez or turns the career of Andy Ruiz around you're talking about you know already one of the best trainers in the world right now he would become the best trainer of this generation if he's able to to take this stable if he's able to get Andy Ruiz back uh, into a title shot and get him a belt again and, and turn him into the dedicated fighter where you know the talent's there. We just need to see the dedication and the commitment, and he's the guy that can get that out of Ruiz. I mean, the, you're talking about you know world-class level status for the Reynosos and that camp, and that, that, that could carry on for the rest of this generation of fighters. The way you're talking? Andy Ruiz is going to be light heavyweight champion. <laughs> he ain't going to be light heavyweight champion. <laughs> oh, but man. you you know get the man down to a reasonable fucking weight of two hundred and fifty ish pounds, and yeah. and he's going to be problems for anybody. No, he is. Um, yeah. Look, really, m- more than it is Andy Ruiz, because I don't uh, personally, I don't believe in in Andy Ruiz's ability to be disciplined. I think that this will last. I, if you're crazy if you do. Yeah, I mean, I think that this relationship lasts, a, uh, you know, maybe a fight or two mm-hmm. um, before Andy Ruiz is like, I just made another five, six million. Did you, you see know? what you see? What the matchup they're talking about first with him, Chris Ariola. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, old Nips making a return. Old Chris Nips. There'll be a lot of flubber uh, flying around in there. Um, you know, but I think the thing that is more intriguing to me about this entire dynamic is what impact is this this just growing stable with the Reynosos going to have on their relationship with Canelo? Because remember, it used to just be Canelo, and he was getting 100% of their attention. And Chepo Reynoso was making all of all of the meals. And now he's got to, I mean, imagine the amount of food he's got to make for Andy Ruiz. Oh, no, he doesn't have to make anything. He just ordered Domino's. <laughs> no, you just, yeah, you just get the taco truck to pull up outside of the camp. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a thing that I'm I'm you know I know it's like a it's a it's a side story or whatever right. but I think it's something to keep our eyes on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because when the you know when the A side um you know especially somebody that trains year round like Canelo does, you know what I'm saying? Maybe 
you know, Canelo's, you know, diva ego grows to the point where he's like, I do not need trainers. I do not need them. I, I Look, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know. You know, we've we've heard some statements from Canelo. I wouldn't be surprised if that dude is done at the end of this contract. Like he not maybe, maybe not for good, but he takes a sabbatical from the sport for a year or two. Yeah, people lose fact of uh, lose sight of the fact that he turned pro when he was fifteen. Yeah, he's been fighting for fourteen fucking years already. Yeah, that's a long career as a, as a professional fighter. My, most don't make it that long. No, and most don't have uh, you know two hundred million dollars in their bank account. No, no, you know none do. None. Well, yeah, exactly. But I think there's something to be said, man. I mean, like to have that kind of example. And examples, you know, I think really another another story like you were saying about, um, you know, these other fighters, like adding adding layers and levels um, to, a, you know, a fighter like um, um, Julio Cesar Martinez. Right. right? Like, dude's exciting. Right. Uh, dude's fucking aggressive. But you also watch him fight and you're like, did this guy like he, he, he kind of like strikes me as a guy like like one of these guys that gets drafted into the NFL, but he's only been play, playing football since he was a junior in high school. And he taught himself how to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got a style that he figured out that worked for himself. Now now let's see if we can we can we can refine that a little bit. Add some fine china to the to the arsenal. Exactly. It's um it's COVID. COVID, sorry. It's not China. China. Um <laughs> uh you know, Oscar Valdez. A guy he's yeah. he's he's one of these he's one of these pitchers that uh you know, in the first inning, he's throwing 101 miles an hour. Right. Right. And by, you know, he's supposed to, he's scheduled to go seven before they bring in relief, <laughs> right. but he only goes three because he's freaking, you know, his arm's burnt out. Yeah. You know, can they slow him down and add some layers and some pace and some tempo right. to a guy like that? Ryan Garcia, yeah. right? Can they get him to bend his knees a little bit more? Can they get him to not back out of the pocket? Tuck that chin a little exactly, bit. Exactly, with his chin in the air. Right. Um, because if they don't, Ryan Garcia may have a career like Amir Khan's. He could, yes, you know what I mean. He could because there's a similar, uh, there's a similarity on how they, uh, you know, step back out of the pocket. That is, um, uh, it's a little eerie. So it's going to be. Inter- we know, like you said, Canelo's Canelo. Yeah, you know, he may not be a finished product, but geez, the the levels that he's added to his game that doesn't just happen from having a good trainer. No, that happens from going in there and also being self aware of what you're doing. Yes, and and knowing, oh shit, I made a mistake there. Right. I need to try something different. Yeah, we. I mean, we've watched like over the last five or six years, there has been no fighter that has developed uh, defensively like Canelo has. Not even close. No, uh, dude, stop with the fucking Canelo fanboying here. You know, you're. I I need my hat. I need to get my shirt back. I need yeah. to just go full Canelo fag. Do you think that 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 our listeners, especially the diehard Canelo fans, are going to, going to take all of this compliment and like truth telling about Canelo, yeah. like the analysis of like you know how he's developed and all these you know being probably the most professional of professional athletes in boxing mm-hmm. and dedicated to his craft. Do you think they'll still take that as Canelo hate? No, but I'll give him some Canelo hate. That doesn't mean he didn't drop a belt and take steroids either. So you know. Hey, hey, man! There's always two sides to the story, exactly. right? Exactly. Got to tell the whole story. Can't be leaving <laughs> chapters out. You know what I mean? The book ain't as good. No, no, it's not. You know, it's just like this. Uh, you know, um, the Last Dance, this Michael Jordan documentary about the '98 Bulls. You know, look, it wouldn't be if if he left out the gambling stuff. You know what I'm saying? If they left out that story about about Dennis Rodman needing a vacation in the yeah. middle of the season, dude, if they leave all that stuff out, it ain't the same documentary. No, it's not. You need the whole fucking enchilada here, boys. And you know what? I know we're we're we're, we're bouncing around here. I got to give Jordan props. You know he's like the producer of this documentary. Yeah. 
And he's just putting it all out there. He don't, he don't care, man. I will tell you, well, he is putting most of it out there. I would I would like to see a documentary made by somebody else about his career. Yeah, well, that's true, too. Because there's some shit they ain't talking about. Like what? You know, I want to hear about the women. Oh, the women. I That'll hear be in the Tiger Woods documentary. <laughs> That'll be in the next 10-part yeah, series. You, you can't deny that with the Tiger documentary. That's got to be in there. Dude. Yeah. It's that. Would, How awesome of a documentary with the Tiger I'm sure that's in the pipeline already. I'm sure as this one's going on, they're like, well, who's next? Who can we make the next one about? It's fucking Tiger Woods. Then you're going to just ha- have to have 10 episodes for just the girls. <laughs> It'll be like the opening scene in, in He gets interviewed from uh you know, the whole entire throughout the documentary, you know, they've been interviewing Jordan. When you do it with Tiger, it's gotta be in a Perkins restaurant. <laughs> oh, Perkins. That's where he skeezes the waitresses. Yes. Uh, it's gotta be at a, at a table at the Perkins, the local Perkins. No, it'll be like in the in the linen room at the Perkins. It'll be like the opening <laughs> scene from Wedding Crashers where all the naked chicks are flopping on the bed. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> Just one after the other. <laughs> I mean, you tell me Tiger Woods was killing the game like that, but Michael Jordan wasn't. Get the fuck out of here. Well, think about it. A Perkins is a great place to, if you're if you if you want to go pull tail. You know why? Because everybody that eats there, there's no competition on the game. No, there you know is, what I'm saying. There's definitely not. Everybody in there is like 75 years and older. You know, and the only thing that they're scheming on and getting them googly eyes on is the freaking pie carousel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> getting key lime or what am I getting tonight? Oh, that lemon meringue. <laughs> oh man, I love pies. it. <laughs> And Tiger's like, let me get a slice of that waitress. Yeah. Oh, that man. Poon tang pie. Let me get some of that. <laughs> poon tang pie. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Um, man, we're now going to transition to something that's not as exciting, but we'll keep it on the Canelo um, uh, angle here. All right. Um, you know, we have heard talk that um, they, uh, Canelo versus Gennady Golovkin part three is definitely on the horizon if we ever get back to right. you know big boxing, crowds and boxing, whatever. But you know, Golovkin said he ain't fighting Canelo right out of the gate. Now he's coming off of a long layoff from a brutal fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um against Sergei Derevyanchenko. But also, you know, people lost sight of the fact there's not confirmation as to whether Canelo had an officially signed contract with Billy Joe Saunders for his next fight. Right. But we do know that the IBF mandatory for it's IBF or WBO. It's IBF. Yeah, IBF. They didn't. They did. Well, here's the thing. They didn't say he had to, but he's fighting it anyways. No, it's signed. It's done. The Sears Meta fight. Yeah. No, I'm saying the IBF didn't order him fight this fight. That's that's he what he was getting his. Okay, I got you. So Pete, that's why people get up in arms about it, because they're like, well, he's fighting another mandatory, except this time he wasn't even told he had to fight a mandatory. But he's getting it out of the way. Yeah. And uh, look, I don't. I, I hate the fight. That fight fucking stinks on ice. Cesar Meta's got five knockouts his entire career. He has no power. Triple G is going to mow through him and get a typical Triple G in the first four rounds knockout that mm-hmm. we've seen 50 times, that yeah. feels like. But here's the thing. Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez was not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen in September. It's not going to happen until you can pack an arena. That You're leaving tens of millions of dollars in gate money on the table you're not going to do that especially if we kind of heard a little bit of they want to maybe possibly put that fight on in jair's world so if you're talking about 
That's a fight that would probably sell 60,000-plus tickets. It would need to. These two fighters, they have a guarantee of $50 million between the two of them. Yeah. That's just the minimum. Right. You cannot. Like, they cannot. This fight will not and cannot happen without a live audience. So if Triple G is going to fight Cesar Meta in the meantime, I hate the fight, but it's not. I'm not going to sit here and be one of those people that's like, Oh, here we go again. Triple G's being Triple G, Ken. Fighting another stiff, adding another knockout to Like, okay, some of that may be true, but it's also you're not going to get the fight you want anyway. So what's the point? Like, the guy's going to stay busy. I don't give a fuck. Go ahead. Stay busy. Well, that's what it is. It's a, To me, it's a stay busy fight. Right, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a it's a knock the dust and rust off fight. Yeah. It's not a it's not the pad stats. Do you the think only, this guy needs a fucking pad stats? The only thing that scares me at this point in Triple G's career, even with that, is even if it's an easy fight, even if it's a not as brutal of a training camp, there's only so many um, only so much uh, tread left on that tire. And whether it's an easy fight or not, some of that tread's coming off. So I, I'd hate to see him wasting these final few opportunities on, on guys like Cesar Meta. So I get it in certain aspects, but there's also other things that make me go, yeah, I, I get it. You want to tune up. You want that. But God damn, man, like there's only so much you got left in the tank, brother. Well, yeah, but here's the thing, okay? I don't want you on fumes by the time you get to the last uh, it, big one. Uh, oh, that's fine. I, and I, I don't disagree with you there, but – what is he supposed to do? Okay, he's going to – hear me out. He's Gennady Golovkin, mm-hmm. right? So if you want him to fight a name, whoever it is, it doesn't, I'm, I'm, it doesn't have to be the pinnacle name. It doesn't have to be Canelo Alvarez. Right. But if you want Gennady Golovkin versus a Charlo versus an Andre, not, they all need crowds. Yeah, they're not going to happen. They're not going to happen. They're not going to happen. So what do you – you just expect him because you think it's a shitty fight that he's just got to wait until it could be 12 more months? No. It could be two years from now? No. Like, he's – if if he can fight a Sears Meta fight in front of an empty crowd and get the ball rolling for his own and for himself in the meantime, he doesn't know when he can fight one of these big fights. Yeah. And without enough time left, guess what? He also has a contract where he needs to get paid fifteen million dollars for a fight. I, dude, I will. I'm not going to argue any of that. I I get why it's happening. My concern is that it's not a good thing for him in the long run. I know it has to happen. There's, you're, you're right. You're a hundred percent correct. None of those. None of the current champions or anybody that is a top-notch contender is going to get in the ring with a Gennady Golovkin without a crowd. Yeah. Period. End of fucking story. No. And for any Canelo fan that's out there like, oh, Triple G gets a Cesar Meta tune-up and, and Canelo's got to fight Billy Joe Saunders. <laughs> like, look, people. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders has the most paper belt in boxing right now. Like, honestly. He beat uh, Ishfat uh, Fishu or whatever his fucking name was. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. I'm not fucking around. I, go, I know I didn't pronounce it correctly, but he beat that guy with that name for a vacant belt, and he's fought two no-names since then and looked like absolute dog shit doing it. I think you just made that up. I didn't make it up. Look it up. <laughs> Ishfat Fishu. I, I'm not like It's some fucked up shit like that. I'm not playing games, son. I've never even heard of that. You don't remember that fight? No. Vin. <laughs> Dude, look. The bottom line is, if you are ta- if you are one of these people that fucking touts <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders as like the- Canelo's taking a risk, 
Where does Billy Joe Saunders rank in the world of pound-for-pound fighters? In thinking brain, number one. (laughs) I mean, the guy can throw a mean piece of chicken at a a Nando's at Deontay Wilder. I don't know about fight. Oh, my gosh, man. He wears a a mean banana hammock. He does. But I don't, like, as far as a fighter, as far as a boxer, he is the biggest hype job. We talk about hype jobs. I mean, there's a certain group of people in the U.K. that hold – Billy Joe Saunders boxing abilities to this unbelievable level where I go, where, when has this happened? Where have we seen this that we can just say, oh yeah, this guy is slick. This slick Southpaw is going to give Canelo big time, big time trouble, Ken. Like, no, no, I get it. He beat David Lemieux. Guess what? He beat David Lemieux and that's his signature win in his career. And we found out afterwards in his next camp for Andre that, oh, shit, he getting popped for something. He didn't get popped for that before, though, did he? So that's where that performance came from. That's how I look at it because I've never seen that performance before or after. So why would I assume that that is Billy Joe Saunders? Well, dude, it's the same. It's the same group of people that 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 believe that. You know what I'm saying? Like they like that. That's Billy Joe Saunders in every fight we've ever seen. I can't wait for that fight to happen. I want. Canelo Alvarez to outbox him and beat him ten rounds to two. Yeah, I think he will. Um, you know, it, dude, that that same group of people that think that way so highly and delusionally of Billy Joe Saunders are the same people that when I come out, like I got asked the question, like, what's the worst fight you've seen in the last ten years? <laughs> I said Billy Joe Saunders versus Andy Lee. It's a bad fight. And dude, people were like wanted to rip my head off. I'm like, just because Billy Joe Saunders, what, what he he dropped Andy Lee twice in like the first couple rounds or yes. whatever, dude. That fight was atrocious. It, it was looked, a flinch fest. Yes, it was horrible. Um, uh, look, all all even like peak Billy Joe Saunders aside, you know what I'm saying? That peak did not last very long. And what about the last three or four years of his career has told you, besides the fact that he pissed hot and he doesn't take the sport seriously anymore, tells you that he's going to go in and outbox arguably the best fighter in the world. <laughs> Like, like, what about that tells you that? Where do you get that from? The Chris Eubank Jr. fight? That's one that I point to all the time where I'm like, not only, like, okay, I get it, Billy Joe Saunders maybe wasn't at his peak as a fighter in that fight. Chris Eubank has never even had a peak, has never really, like, the fact that Chris Eubank has made what he's made out of his career is an absolute fucking miracle because the guy can't box. It's an abomination. He cannot <laughs> box. He literally cannot box, does not throw jabs, just has no uh, – it's, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever watched. I get it, the name, and he and he throws a lot of punches, fine. But the fact that Billy Joe Saunders literally – this was four years ago. It may be even longer than that. Yeah, I think it was longer than that. You struggled with that, Chris Eubank? The, the Chris Eubank of today is fucking raw. He's still raw. Four years ago, you barely held on down the stretch against this kid. You know why? Because this gas tank stinks, and it's always stunk. You know why the one time it didn't stink? Because he was taking PEDs. So guess what? Whether he's not afforded those PEDs, I don't give that motherfucker a chance in hell against Canelo Alvarez. <laughs> you are going to be fucking draped in the Mexican flag if that fight happens. Goddamn right I am. <laughs> Goddamn right I am. Oh, man, I hope we get to go to that fight. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. 
I, you know, I've been rude to UK fans before. I'll do it. I will scream. Thank you for you're welcome for WW two again, like I did back in 2012 <laughs> at the Frotch Ward fight. Yes. Oh man, I wonder. Like you know, at the at the at the Canelo Kovalev fight, we did the show from inside the media room. I wonder if for Canelo Billy Joe Saunders, they'll set us up out in the hallway. With all the UK fight fans, they probably will, and I'll be, I'd be fine with it. I'll, you, you guys want to, you guys want to have a little discussion about Billy Joe? Come on, sit down and convince me that Billy Joe Saunders is world class. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Golden Boy or DAZN is going to put security guards into our budget. No, they probably won't. No, <laughs> I don't need one. I don't need one. I've seen, seen some of them guys from the UK, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> you better watch out, man. <laughs> Fucking Brian King's coming for your ass. <laughs> Sorry, the worst thing that's going to happen there is me and him spit roast a hooker in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Actually, I think he would probably agree with everything that you just said about Billy Joe Saunders. I know he would. <laughs> I speak for him. <laughs> Oh, great. Brian King, you're channeling his voice on this show? I have been for years. Is he even allowed on Twitter anymore? I have no idea. He's probably got a burner account somewhere. (laughs) I'm sure he does. (laughs) Where is that guy? I miss him. I I do, too. He was fucking funny. Oh, he took it to a different level. (laughs) He did. Oh, man. Um, All right. Let's uh, close the show with some greatness. Want to do that? (laughs) Um, Perceived. Self-perceived greatness. You know, look, man, over the career of Mikey Garcia, um, you know, whether it was his two-year layoff from boxing uh, when he didn't want to honor his contract with top rank, um, you know, whether it was that or whether it's this, you know, um, you know, this pandemic, Mikey Garcia has never uh, shied away from doing interviews. I mean, you know, the world, he's changed his favorite color a dozen times through all his, you know, his famous interviews with Ellie Secback. Um... So now, you know, Mikey Garcia has time at this uh, <laughs> at this learned age. Um, you what know, is he, 31? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like he's been around forever. Yes. Um, but he's, you know, with all this time on his hands, he's sitting back and reflecting on his legacy. Mm-hmm. Because if we know one thing uh, about, about Mikey Garcia is that Legacy has always been the most dri- <laughs> the biggest driving force yes, in his career. Clearly, because anybody that is thinking about legacy takes off two years in the middle of their prime, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Mikey Garcia, you know, did an interview with Ray Flores on the PBC's YouTube channel, um, and uh, you know was asked about his legacy, and this is what Mikey Garcia had to say. Okay? Give it to me, Ken. I want to be remembered not only with the Mexican fighters. I just want to be remembered and regarded as one of the best fighters, you know, of the generation, of this era. We got all the Mexican fighters, like you mentioned, Brera, Morales, Marquez, Chavez, you know, and so many more. But, you know, I think that when I'm done with the sport, I'll be loved for everything that I've done, and I'll be remembered, you know, for the ages being that I have fought the very best. I never ducked anybody. I just kept fighting nothing but the biggest and baddest fights out there. I mean, that's what's going to leave my mark, you know. Of course I'll be remembered with some of these greats, of course. Um, I can't say I'm going to be compared to them because everybody has had their career and tremendous careers. So it's not fair for me to try to compare myself. But in, the, in this generation of fighters that we have right now, 
I'll be one of the best in this era. That fucking gigantic head has swollen due to this COVID. <laughs> There's, there is not a look. Well, there's one boxing fan on earth I know that holds Mikey Garcia to that standard. But he's just like, I get it. Okay, you fought Errol Spence. That was like, you know, you went for it. I guess you also went for the payday. I mean, if Mikey Garcia has been one thing, he, since Floyd Mayweather has left the sport, he's been the best businessman in boxing. He has maximized his income. I, some of his paydays, I, I, I'm blown away at what he gets. He's outkicked his coverage. Oh, fucking big time like mikey garcia doesn't have this huge fan base like i get it he's a mexican fighter so you 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 already have that built-in mexican fan base but he doesn't have a following of fans like certain fighters do on twitter where you bring up his name and and shit just goes fucking haywire and people don't know how to act right like mikey garcia is not that fighter he's not Barrera morales marquez and chavez no, i mean dude as, that, in, in 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 mexican eyes no, he w- and he'll never be. I don't see any path to where he is mentioned amongst those names. Beating Pacquiao, if that's where he's going next, I get it. Like, I'm surprised at what Pacquiao has done this late in his career. But at some point, like... He's not even going to be favored in that fight. No, I don't think he is. No. I mean, what what is, what is Mikey Garcia... I mean, he struggled a little bit with Jesse Vargas. He did. And... F- Manny Pacquiao boxed Jesse Vargas from pillar to post. Yes, he did. I, look, man, I, I, Mikey Garcia is just one of them fighters to me where it's like, I don't know if I, I didn't, I don't want to say I lost respect for him because I don't care about what any man does with their career financially. That's them. Good for him. I'm glad he's made that much money. He's obviously a smart guy. Yeah, he's really fucking, he's smarter, way smarter than the average fighter. <clears throat> But don't, like, you're bringing up this legacy shit, man. Like, dude, that fucking, that ship sailed, man. You yeah. passed that, you passed that town a couple years back, brother. Yeah. It, it's just, you're not the type of fighter who puts on the type of performances that a Barrera, a Morales, or a Marquez did. Like, those guys went to fucking war. Not only, like, they all have multiple, multiple losses, like five and six and seven losses. It's not, it's not that the losses... They don't hurt their career because it's what they what they were as fighters in the ring. Even when they lost, they went out on their shield. And I'm not saying Mikey Garcia is will never go out on his shield, but I can't think of one Mikey Garcia fight ever in the history of Mikey Garcia fights that even compares to Pacquiao Marquez three, which was the worst of the four fights. Yeah, like he just doesn't have that fight. So to, in order to be mentioned amongst guys like that. You have to give us fights that they like. They gave us. Um, you got some time left, I guess, but that's not the type of fighter he is. He's a boxer. He is like the most textbook boxer in the sport. Like if if you wanted to make a video on how to box, where it would be maybe you don't have that much athletic ability, maybe you don't have this and that, but if you box like this, you will be successful. And that's been Mikey Garcia. Timings, excellent. You know, jab, excellent. Decent punching power for his size. But he just, beyond that, there's nothing special about his fights. So you'll never be those guys. Be yourself, dude. Be Mikey Garcia. Fight big fights, make big paydays, and give us a decent fight every now and again. 
but you're not going to be Barrera. You're not going to be Morales. You're not going to be Marquez. You don't, you're not giving us the type of – you're not giving yourself to the fans like those, guys, like those guys did. No, no. Everything is just way, way, way too strategic. Yeah. Everything is a business decision with Mikey Garcia. Which is fine. It is. No, it, it's not a criticism. That's just what it is. Um, and I, I think the biggest problem here is so far in his career, like you said, there's still time. But so far in his career, the most lasting, most indelible memory, the one thing, the one fight, the most, the, 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 the defining fight of Mikey Garcia's career to this point where we stand today, right, is him getting absolutely outclassed and shut out 12 rounds by Errol Spence. Yeah. It's the most memorable fight of his career. Well, he might have won the second round, Ken. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? When we when we talk about his legacy, you know, I don't know many fighters that are talking about their legacy in the middle. Of, I, the only people that talk about their legacy are people that got one foot into retirement, right? Yeah, Mikey's thirty two right now, so. Dude, he ain't gonna fight more than probably two more years. Yeah, he'll, go, he'll get a couple big paydays, and he's he he's gone. Thirty four, thirty five. I can't see him fighting much past that. He could fight some layups, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Drag Andre Berto out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. Oh, poor, poor Mikey gets beat, gets a beating on this show. Whatever, man. <laughs> you know what we used to say all the time when we first started this show is, like, we like fighters that dare to be great. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any anything daring about about, you know, just – Counting money. There's nothing. It wasn't daring to be great to know you're going to get your ass kicked and collect the $8 million paycheck. I don't think he was daring to be great, though. I think he was willing to get beat up. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was willing to accept a paycheck. You know, it, look, that, him fighting Errol Spence for whatever he made, $7, 8000000 million, whatever, right, it would be the same thing like on our last show as us taking 7 or $8 million to fight a 13-year-old Mike, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, I'll do it. The beating's going to be about the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll do it, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of that, I heard Mike Tyson is uh, is is making a call. Is he doing bare-knuckle fighting, or is he doing exhibition fights? Because I'm trying to be an opponent. <laughs> <laughs> For real. I'm being serious. This latest trend of, like, he says he's coming back. Uh, Holyfield says, hey, I, you know, I'll fight Tyson a third time. And then you get James Tony coming back, and he gives a speech from his kitchen and wherever. Did you understand what he said? No. Does anybody understand what that guy so says? So bring Riddick Bow back, and let's have a freaking round robin. <laughs> let's do a tag team. Yeah. <laughs> tag team heavyweight fight. Yeah, I like that. So who who would Tony and Bow, Holyfield and Tyson. That's, I think that's fucking. That's you're you're talking eight million pay per view buys easy. Well, I saw an interview with Michael Moore recently, and apparently he's broke and lost all of his money from when he fought. So you know, let's get that man a payday. <laughs> Throw Mike a bone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Get Michael Moore in there. I'll tell you what, it's sad, man, because all of these guys are doing that. Maybe not Tyson as much as everybody else, but all of those. Like, those guys were at the, the top of the world, the best of the best. When Holyfield was at his peak, he was a superstar. Riddick Bowe, same thing. Guys made tens of of millions of dollars and here they are in their 50s and they got no fucking money man holyfield was just they got no money they sound like james tony sounds yeah it's there's more sad stories in the sport of boxing than there is in any sport ever these guys 
make a ton of money. They get fucking ripped off by all the people that surround them because they're not really smart enough to have put the right people and vetted the people out around them. They get fucking robbed. Holyfield gives half his fucking earnings to a church. That church should be fucking ashamed of themselves for even take. They still take money from them. It's just, it, I. There's no more sad endings than there is in the sport of boxing, and I'd put that. I mean, it's not even close. I'd put it up against any sport. I got a um an episode of that, um, uh, back in the game that new MSNBC show with a Rod. It's like. It's like basically like former athletes and famous ah. people, or whatever that hit the rocks. Like Joe Smith has an episode, the former Terp Center, mm-hmm. who had a 15 year career in the NBA and doesn't have any money left. Um, I just saw he got he got paid. He got paid, paid. And uh, Ryan Lochte, the Olympic swimmer, who yeah. got into that thing at the Rio Olympics or whatever, <laughs> yep. like rebuilding his brand. And it's actually a pretty cool show. But there's one with Evander Holyfield on that. Oh, nice. Where A Rod's working with him to like get him into. You know, realizing that these guys can use their brands and make money in other ways. Yeah. Like, they can do a, 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 you know, I know Evander Holyfield's not much of a speaker, but he could have a speaking engagement or a, or a camp or something where he could make, you know, twenty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 doing it. Absolutely. That's cool shit. I, I actually, I heard about that show. I'm going to check that fucking out, definitely. Yeah, I mean, A-Rod is, is uh, he's a sharp dude, man. Yeah. And you know what's really cool about it? Like, I'm one of those people... That just absolutely fried a rod, you know, because I I was a fucking Orioles fan growing up, and I, you know, I just I hated the Yankees or whatever. And when he came over to the Yankees, I just fucking hated his his lip gloss and you know everything He's else. Glossy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when he when you know, but when the whole steroid thing happened with him, man, I was like, good, you know what I mean? Like that's right. where I was in, in my life, where I was like, good. I hope he suffers. I hope he never gets a job. This, that, and the other. You right. know, I was a total fucking asshole about it. But the thing is, in the show. Like when he's rehabilitating these people's careers, dude, he is so humble. He comes out and says, I completely jacked and fucked up my career. Right. He's like, what I did was so wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he, he takes, and, and that's kind of the message that he gives to these people that are trying to get their lives back together is, is that, you know, like we talked about with, um, who, who are we talking about? About, uh, oh, Errol Spence, mm-hmm. about claiming ownership of what you did wrong. Like right. we never heard Errol Spence come out and say, you know what, I got a drinking problem. Right. I got a lifestyle problem that right. I need to change. And, and, and I, I accept that and I'm going to do what I can to like fix that or whatever. Um, A-Rod uses that as motivation with these people and tells them like, you have to, you have to, you have to own it and you have to apologize and you have to, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like it's different circumstances. Like the Ryan Lochte thing was fucked up. Like he made up a whole story about <laughs> for, what I happened over there in the Olympics. I forgot all about so that. So for him to redeem himself, he basically had to come out. He had to call people on the show. He had like called Michael Phelps and apologized to him and shit. <laughs> Like the like the coach from Team USA, Evander's. <laughs> this a is on situation. the sh- this is on the show on the show. Wow, it's pretty good, man. Wow, yeah, yeah. Check it out. I'm sitting here fucking. <laughs> we getting we getting some endorsement money from them. Yeah, MSNBC man, it's my favorite channel. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by your post today asking for questions for the show. <laughs> Uh, check it out though, man. A Rod's all right by me. You know, <laughs> I'm not big for for dudes who wear lip gloss, but uh, you know. <laughs> Every time you say that, I keep thinking of Jamie Foxx stand up where he tells a story about him getting in a fight with LL Cool J on the set of uh, the what's the fucking football movie they oh uh, with Al Pacino a- any given Sunday. Yeah. He's like he's a gangster, but he's glossy. <laughs> Oh, man. A-Rod does flex some lip rolls. He does. It's pretty gay. (laughs) Oh, COVID. (laughs) COVID (laughs) does.
<laughs> okay. Um, well, then, I think that'll do it for today's show. Let's wrap it up, brother. All right. So we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 274 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can get an audio podcast. And during this time of quarantine, check out the video version on the YouTube channel. If you're one of our audio listeners, go to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today and subscribe. Check it out. Full-length podcast episodes are on the YouTube channel. Stop by our website, BoxingPod.com. That's BoxingPod.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Boxing Rant, at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. So until next week, we appreciate all of you tuning in to another episode of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Muchas gracias, everybody.